0: Hip-hop in Portland, Oregon has a storied history, and today we talk to some of the greats, past, present, and future, about the state of the industry and how to find success. Welcome to The Future of What. I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rockstars. Support for The Future of What comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, MerchTable partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit MerchTable.com to learn more and open a store today. Today's episode was taped live at Mississippi Studios in Portland, Oregon, and featured some of hip-hop's finest. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for The Future of What comes from SoundExchange. You're listening to The Future of What. My co-host for this panel was DJ Cliff, and our panelists were DJ OG1, Versatile, Mike Capes, Rashid Jamal, and Karma Rivera. So I'm very lucky today to be joined by DJ Cliff, who's going to help me moderate this panel. So I'm going to turn it over to him, DJ Cliff.
1: Thank you so much, Porsche. It's, it's such a pleasure to be here with you, of course. Anytime we get an opportunity to be together, I enjoy. But to be on this, on this stage with, with so many great artists, as well as human beings, talking about our city, our scene, Portland hip-hop. So I wanted to start off just by giving everyone an opportunity to introduce themselves and um, sort of what they do in the Portland hip-hop scene. So should we, well, let's start to, to my left.
2: My name is Karma Rivera. I'm a hip-hop recording artist here in Portland. I rap, perform, all that fun stuff.
3: (laughs) I'm DJ OG1, official DJ for the Portland Trailblazers, but also a business owner and
4: community activist. My name is Mike Capes. I'm a hip hop artist from Portland, specifically North Portland, and a mentor for youth. My name
5: is Rashid Jamal, MC. I live in Portland by way of Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, I'm a jack of all trades kind of dude.
6: My name is Versatile, I'm a member of a group called Lifesavers, I'm a singer-songwriter.
1: Nice, nice. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. So I wanted to start off kind of talking about sort of the why that we're here. So it's Portland Hip Hop 101. So we're going to talk a little bit about the foundations of what we do, why we do, but but get a little bit into sort of that next level, not just the artistic piece. Coming together like this as a panel and having an opportunity to, to share with you folks and give you folk an opportunity to ask questions. The genesis of this, I was talking to Rashid Jamal and, you know, we had a great conversation about what we're doing as a community, as a hip-hop community, and how we can do more. So, Rashid, I just wanted to ask you, as someone who is an artist and doing the many things that you're doing, why was this important to you to have a, an avenue like this to reach people? I kind of came to realize that the only time
5: I really see folks is during shows at the club. So, like, you don't really get a chance to build during those times. There's not really room for conversation when you're drunk.
1: <laughs> Not good conversation anyway. Yeah,
5: yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not nothing you can really remember the next day. It's like, yeah,
1: bro, I'm gonna hit you up, I'm gonna hit
5: you up. All right, cool. Yep. All right. Then like next Friday, Oh man, you ain't hit me. So, you know, I wanted to get together with a room full of people who are like professionals who can help add to assist a sense of professional development for people who are involved in hip hop and this genre. And then also to get people in the same room so that you can build chemistry. I think that's how our communities build, you know, even on a biological level, like cells come together because they don't kill each other. So, you know what I mean? I just really wanted to build chemistry. No doubt. No doubt.
1: As an individual who has represented Portland hip hop for a little while, versatile, having something like this where you're bringing people from different I hate to say generational, that sounds so so separatist, but just from different eras of the Portland hip hop scene, is this something that you've had an opportunity to take advantage of in your past, thinking about when you were a young and up and coming
6: MC? There have been forums and summits where we were able to you know, kind of talk amongst each other and talk to the community. I'm a little bit of a recluse, <laughs> you know, so... I'm a little shy, so I don't come out very often, mm-hmm. but I think that these sorts of platforms are powerful. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt.
1: Karma, as, a, as an artist who is you're, you, probably got, you probably got youth on everybody on this panel right now, I would imagine. So as one of the, one of the artists from probably the, the younger generation of Portland hip hop artists, how has it been for you in terms of building your brand and then building with the scene that has been building in Portland for years and years?
2: building relationships, connecting with the, I mean, I wouldn't say the right people, but just connecting with people, you know, just kind of going out. I mean, there's, I think right now, especially like the last two years, there's been so many like things forming these collectives. Now you got Friends of Noise, you got Deep Underground, you got YGB, and then, you know, you go to these events and then you kind of, you meet people who are just like you. So it's basically simply just building relationships with people that could help me get to where I'm at, you know. So that's kind of how I worked my way. No doubt.
1: And then it's cool to see with the many venues in Portland that are supporting the Portland hip hop scene, the shows, getting to see artists on stage together. Mike, you're an artist who has performed with a number of people who are on this platform in shows right now. I know that publicly you've talked about how your music is your full-time situation right now. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about getting there, making that transition from doing art as sort of a side situation because you love the art to doing it as a business. What do you feel like has been the, maybe the one thing that you didn't know making that transition that now, something that you would say, hey, this is something you're thinking about doing. This is something you need to, to pay attention to.
4: I think the biggest part I knew, but I didn't know as much until I got into it. The biggest part is just building a team around you that can help you do the things that are not your strengths. You know what I mean? Outsourcing work and taking the stress off yourself to where you can focus solely on the artistic part.
1: No doubt. No doubt. So no man is an island is probably a way to, to right, say that. right. Yeah, I'm no still doubt. working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we think about sort of getting more into that conversation of building with other artists, but then also the business piece of it. OG, you've had the opportunity to connect with business people, Fortune 500 companies. You mentioned the Portland Trailblazers, but you've also worked with Brand Jordan and Adidas and Nike. Again, as as artists are thinking about how do I get to that next level, if an artist is going to go into a boardroom and have a conversation with someone about helping support their art, what would be the primary thing that you think an artist should be aware of going into a situation like that?
3: I think, one, becoming a student of your craft, first of all. And as you become a student of the craft, you understand that your talent is one thing. Business is a whole different lane. Being able to identify for yourself what are your strengths and your weaknesses, who are you trying to reach, And once you identify that, then you really kind of do your research to find out what companies, whether it's local businesses or Fortune 500 companies that connect with the audience you are trying to connect with. Um, That's the number one. When you address, you know, businesses, the first thing is what can you do for me and why should I work with you? So being able to understand, you know, who you're trying to reach and if it connects with the market that they're trying to reach, then that's number one. But I think bigger than that is really understanding the power of relationships, the power of having a humbled attitude, not of, you know, you should be coming and look for me and and you, I'm in the, kind of like an entitled type of attitude you got to totally dismiss that because that'll get the door shut on you faster than anything you know companies are willing to work with people who have genuine hearts and mindsets that you know you're coming to you know it's a it's a process of give and take from both sides so but you know again that comes with mindset and becoming a student of your craft
1: No doubt, no doubt. So one of the things, and this is a question for the panel as a whole, one of the things that came up a couple of times is the idea of relationships, of building with people, of, of building a community. So as we're thinking about the Portland hip hop scene and where we are today in 2018, what do we need to do as a community to educate outside of our community? So as an example, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of each individual up here and your talent and your skills and what you offer, but what about maybe people who are sitting out in the audience who, who maybe are not as familiar, people who are listening to this podcast? What do we need to do as a community to come together to take our scene to more ears? I think we should communicate with each other outside of social media more often.
5: Okay. I think social media is really damaging because you, know, you always try to put your best face forward and then you see people and it's like, oh yeah, you just did this last week. I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. it's a lot of high and by and not a lot of actual you know, talking about things. You know, maybe somebody said something to rub you the wrong way and you just see that as that's who that person is. And that might just have been how they felt at the moment. I think that technology has a way of separating all groups of people, not just us, in that way. So it'd be cool to like, you know, connect outside of the internet and drop the images and actually have that humble attitude towards one another when you see each other, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Sort of on that note, one of the things that I think about is being a member of the older generation. I remember when the idea was, let me work really hard and versatile. You had an opportunity to sort of share with me when you were rhyming, when you were a bit younger, coming together, pooling your resources to go into the recording studio, that mindset of what it takes to go in and, and actually record something. As you have now been so consistent, continuing to make music, continuing to tour, that change, that transition, has it been more challenging for you now? Or is it easier for you to create your art, get your art out there, but then have people really take time to sit with it and, and, and get a sense of why you created what you created?
6: I think overall, like the internet is sort of an abyss. Like back in the day, you had record stores and then you also kind of had, you know, your few staple community radio stations and things like that. So it was more of this like pipeline on how you got information, you know, about whatever was new. I used to go to second Avenue records every Tuesday and I would just ask what's new, yeah. you know, and I'd buy either that or you had yo MTV raps, rap city, you know, you had pipelines where you saw like, this is what's dope. This is what's new. And then you bought that. Yeah. You know, if you, if you enjoyed it now with record, stores going away and you know, the changing of the landscape, it's just an abyss out there. It's hard to funnel people's attention here yeah. so that they can see what's available. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. The the opportunity to sort of like get visibility and heighten awareness becomes, you know, like you're just swimming in this endless ocean, yeah. you know, trying to find what's good. And I think the challenge is to tap into an audience that is engaged and you galvanize the community that that audience represents in hopes that they'll keep coming back if you give them good product. And you build that momentum enough to impact people outside of your own bubble. So in that regard, it's challenging, you know, to navigate that abyss, but we've been fortunate to kind of pull that audience along with us, you know, through this change, but the challenge is still to make ourselves visible to new fans yeah. you know who don't know the history who don't know any of that so yeah we're part of that whole like how do you bring these worlds together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know in a way where there's an awareness yeah. of what's out of there cuz so what's what's out there because there's so much good music yeah oftentimes it feels like there's too much <laughs> music you know because it's spread so thin that it's hard to really again kind of bring people into a place where now they're aware of you know where the dope stuff is you know so it's a challenge but you know i think we're all up for it no doubt yeah. no doubt
1: karma i'm wondering sort of in, in, with that same vein what do you do to help your art stand out in this abyss in this mass i mean we have sometimes it's difficult to really sit with an album right so drake just released a new project Double C D, right? So there's a lot of music there. But next week the next artist is gonna release an album and it's just it's just continuing to flow and come. And so as you're making art, what is your focus? How do you focus on I need people to take time to sit with this or I need people to just listen to it? How do I put it out there so that people are recognizing what I'm doing?
2: See, I'm for the internet and I'm for social media. I think it allows me to have a direct relationship with my audience. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, no, you're right. You can drop some and get forgot about the next week. Right. There's, it's the, and that's the problem with the internet. It's oversaturated with content, yeah. you know? especially like musicians, you're not just competing with other musicians, you're competing with photographers, you're competing with videographers. So I think it's important to uh, build a social media presence that engage your followers, having good content and making sure like, oh, you know, they want to keep checking in. with. That's the game right now, is, kinda, is producing good content that your followers like and they, they're going to keep up with you if you keep producing that good content. So videos, whether it's music, have a mix. I think what's worked well for me is the combination of dropping singles, dropping visuals, dropping performance visuals, any little bit of content just to keep people engaged and not only like engage my audience, but also attract new fans. So just kind of having a strategic plan of building content and keeping my followers engaged and keeping them in tune with me. Down.
0: I think karma is really right about this, but I it also just, it makes me kind of have this like sad feeling in my heart because I feel like every year that goes by, we demand more of our artists. We want our artists to I be marketers, it. right? <laughs> like you also, you, it's not good enough to just be good at your art. You also have to be a marketer and you have to have, you know, all of this know-how and savvy. And I mean, I've talked to people who are like, well, I didn't want to pay for an engineer, so I learned how to engineer. And then I was my own producer, and now I own a studio and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, when do you have time to be an artist? Yeah. You know? And I think what Mike said is really to the point is is you got to surround yourself with a team at some point you have to say look there's all this stuff that needs to be done for me to get my art out into the world in a in a successful manner but it cannot be all on my head and that's i wanted to sort of go back and ask versatile you know when you were coming up i feel like there wasn't quite as much pressure to you know also do all that other <laughs> stuff right? <laughs> right it's like yeah. you were going to be an artist and you knew that that was what you are going to do but how did you approach like, because everything was different, you know, the marketplace was completely different right. and you didn't really have to, you know, it's like you were going to, okay, you're going to do your art, but you, you were going to get yourself into a studio because it was going to be recorded and it was going to be put out into the marketplace. It wasn't going to be on Spotify. right? You couldn't just do it in your bedroom. <laughs> right. There were all these other people that you had to get involved at some point. So can you just talk to us a little bit about how, you know, how that felt when you were, you know, at, in your group was coming up?
6: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that was pivotal for us is starting to understand the roles of a team. When we were coming up, there was a lot of confusion about what you needed to put in place and who those people were and what roles they played. We thought a producer meant we were gonna be rich and famous. If we found a producer, that was it. (laughs) You know, we were going to the top. We needed to find a producer. So we didn't understand the role of a producer. Then we was like, well, we need a manager. But in our mind, a manager was, you know, that uncle or aunt or whatever that was really good with balancing their checkbook, you know what I mean? And they had more order in their life than you'd had, you know? So they wound up being our first managers and things like that. So once we started to understand what criteria to judge the role players and what they needed to have in place, then it became easier to assemble that team and kind of see how that could, you know, push us along. As soon as we got a good manager, everything changed for us, you know? good management team for us changed everything because they had relationships they knew how to navigate the business they understood we had resources for you know entertainment law and all of those things so it was really kind of learning those roles really helped us but that was very difficult but speaking to what Rashid was saying one thing that was important we came up I lived around the corner from two band members from a group from Portland called Pleasure they were a funk group and it never I didn't I never had the courage to go ask them you know mm-hmm hey, what do I do, mm-hmm. you know? What are you guys doing? And they had records out all over the world, and they live right around the corner from me. So in that, I did learn, you know, ask, you know? Look at your resources. What are your the models that you're trying to emulate? Go and find those people if you can locally, and let's try to, you know, put together the same things there. But it was very difficult early on to do that, but speaking to one thing that you you mentioned about all the pressure being on the artist to be all things... My favorite groups back in the day are artists, there would be one maybe two interviews every couple of years. You know, now when I go back and I keep all, I kept all of my old source magazines. It was like literally one little one interview from Tribe Called Quest. One, you know? But now you're interviewing daily, you know? You're like constantly question and answer on Facebook Live or, you know, Instagram, you have to be so vulnerable and open. I wonder what Prince would have done <laughs> in today's landscape, right. you know? Right. how he had to, you know, be all of those. I just don't know if he would have been able to navigate. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things where having a team and figuring out like who you are as an artist. And I think the other thing I wanna say is, success is different for everyone. So sometimes we're always comparing our success To someone else's model,
0: Mm -hmm.
6: you know, I've just learned to be kind of content with my lane. (laughs) You know, this is where I'm successful at, Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to get that sort of I don't know contentment was a journey more than anything. But I might have been all over the place with that. But ultimately, yeah, you know, that was kind of our journey to just figure out that our thing wasn't for the mainstream. We kind of had a more underground path. And I had to figure out independent labels and how that whole thing worked, how distribution worked on that level, and then that kind of came, you know, my bar, you know, and so the ability to accomplish that is what has afforded me a career.
7: Slab, who that? Dress? Slab. Northside nigga, yeah, I'm well known. They gon' write real nigga, right. nigga. on my headstone. Better die and be a legend to the. M- they gon' paint a nigga face on the St. John's Bridge, hey Northside nigga, yeah, I'm well known, well known. Yeah, I'm well known, well known. Northside nigga, yeah, I'm well known. They gon' write real nigga on my headstone, headstone. I grew
8: up off resident, yeah, that was my residence. Banging and dealing, yeah, that was the elements. I let that settling in, scheming and meddling. Yeah, we was broke, broke is a joke, but we found a medicine, jacking and stealing, some of us caught felonies, I had a vision of rapping on melodies, I need it all, yeah, I need it all, for local celebrity, I want a ball, yeah, I want a ball, bro, we need the recipe, I need the carrots, yeah, I need the celery, Cause you telling me, living was hard, but I never fall, I'm building my legacy. I been leveling up. I never settle for less. I just lay up in the cuts. After they cut me the check, but it's about more than the bucks. My city coming for next. I'm at that juggler. Is f- a threat. I got my numbers of Suckers is pressed. Thought I'd be dead. Glory to God, nigga. I'm blessed. Yes but I never touch it. Keep give me the rock, and I hit the shot, yeah, they gotta double me, they cannot f*** with me, niggas be all in their feelings and hearts, I keep it real with the art, gaining momentum on charts, they spit with minimal heart, I rip these niggas apart, these niggas swimming with sharks in the deep end, better duck for you see fins, paddle hard with the boss. see my marks, see my teeth thin, think for you leap in. I never ride on a wave, I be controlling the current, I just get up on the stage, I grab the mic and I burn it. Worse me with
7: the furnace for a tongue, spin murder from my lungs why encouraging in the young nigga uh, got a nurse about the buzz on the surface showing love but a serpent in they blood, my nigga God side nigga yeah I'm well known write real nigger right, on my head stone stood on dying be a legend to the fucking kids they gonna trade a nigger face on the saint John's bridge God hey, side nigger, yeah I'm well
0: known That was well known by Mike Capes If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. My co-host for this panel was DJ Cliff, and our panelists were DJ OG1, Versatile, Mike Capes, Rashid Jamal, and Karma Rivera. Anyone can answer this. Do you guys feel like... Sometimes knowledge is treated as something you got to hold on to because it's competitive advantage. You know what I mean? I just wonder why sometimes we don't talk as much with other people. Like you were saying, you didn't go around the corner and meet those people who were in pleasure. You know, and I mean, I know I, I wouldn't do it because I would be embarrassed. I'd be like, oh my God, they're going to think <laughs> I'm right. some idiot, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and, and so it's like self esteem issues aside. Do you feel like we ever do that, like where we're just don't talk because you're like, well, I have this tiny bit of knowledge and I'm just going to hang on to it because it's going to put me ahead of my, you know, competitors?
3: Absolutely. It happens in the DJ world. But I think all of that comes down to a lack of maturity and understanding Mm -hmm. about really the real world and how the real world functions. My experience is that the more I share and am willing to share the more success that I have.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Where you have an industry that teaches you I'm against her or him. I have to have the one up on, on them. And I tell you, every connection I've had with whether it's major companies or endorsements and all these things all came from I was willing to be vulnerable and share And in return, without me even like, okay, I'm going to share this because I'm going to get, just by default, things and opportunities have have come my way. And so my approach has always been that, which again, it goes back to being a student of your craft, really digging in and understanding, you know, your lane, everything from what Versatile said, what is success for you? because the industry might have one projection which you might see on TV and Instagrams and whatever that's one projection but you have to really settle in and say what is it that is successful for me not what is being pressured on me what is it for me am i satisfied never being you know getting a grammy but i can eat off of my craft every day mm-hmm. like it's paying my bills or am I stressing myself so much out that you know, because I'm not you know on billboards or, or or whatever. So again, yes, you know that competitiveness. You know, people don't want to share. I often, you know, kind of going back to you know something that we were talking about earlier. I often am frustrated at you know artists that don't utilize DJs. Like our job is to curate music, yet. People focus on trying to use the internet and so much like today, I was getting some music prepared. On one record pool site, do you know how many pages was just on one site? Pages now, these pages have about 30 to 40 songs on each pages. 16,000 pages of music. So as a DJ, how do I distinguish what music that you know, I need to get in support? Relationships. Yeah, relationship because I was scrolling past stuff like (laughs) it could have been platinum but I'm scrolling through let me get to the Drake album let me get to the Nas album let me get to this album where there could have been tons of music that like whoa and I sat and thought I was like well why am I not clicking on these other ones that I might not be familiar with their names because I don't have a relationship so guess what I'm gonna play Karma Revere's single that she sends me. Why? Is it better than that the music that's on maybe some of these record pools? Could be. Maybe not. But I know her. I've connected with her. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she'll email me or yo, yes, hey, we we communicate. So I'm gonna advocate for her faster than you know, someone who might have a better record, but without the relationship
0: but your record is amazing. Yes, (laughs) definitely. definitely. (laughs) It's
1: it's interesting that you say that too, because I know that that's been my relationship again with everybody on this panel today. You know, each one of you individuals, when you're releasing the music, you send it to me and you're kind enough to send me radio edits. Thank you very much, I appreciate that. (laughs) But I I, I definitely do agree with that. I want to just take a, a quick second To mention someone who couldn't be here today, earlier this year we lost someone who was a pillar in the hip hop community, Starchild. And it's interesting because I would have conversations with Starchild and he would share with me, not the details, but the idea, the concepts that he was constantly talking to younger artists, up and coming artists. And I think that that was always cool that people would reach out to him. And as, as someone who had been in the scene for a while, he was willing to share to a certain degree. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he was willing to share not his food spots exactly no. Yeah. Right, no. but but yes just sort of parroting that that having those relationships goes further not only as the individual artist but as a scene as a Portland hip hop scene and you know sort of the, the idea that that is how the game is played it, it truly is a game I think when you look at the broad picture of the music industry but I feel like we have an opportunity to take control of the narrative here in Portland to make that happen you know, I heard billboards mentioned, and we're talking about pushing artists through the front. Mike, not too long ago, you had a billboard that was that was up here in Portland. And, you know, you've been blessed to really be featured in some of the the local newspapers. And you've performed at so many different venues and festivals here in the city. That's a ton of momentum, B., yeah. Is there pressure that comes along with that though to to maintain? Okay, now I'm, you know, I got to keep going. I got to get to the next and the next and the next. And then kind of talking about what we were talking about earlier, does that take away from your ability to be creative?
4: I think the pressure for me is di- it comes from a different place for me. It doesn't really come from the music with me. Like for the last year, I've been doing music alone. Fr- I've just been doing music. So the pressure really comes from, uh, for me, like family situations and like real life situations, you know what I mean? Like you want to get this out because maybe it can help with this and maybe I can make money from this and it'll help that. It's more so that with me, but artistically there's not really a pressure, just an anxiousness of you be sitting on music and you, you want to put it out but there's a plan behind it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That happens when you put a team behind you and then, you put a team behind you and you strategize when to put stuff out, but before I would just put stuff out, you mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was used to. Right, So. Right. Is more so a pressure of anxiety type situation for me? Does that answer your question. Yeah,
1: it does. It does. It's not sort of a general question again for everybody. Is there a sense of, I mean, we're all wired a little bit different, but there is is there a sense of when you are an artist, a bit of being reserved? Like is it is it hard to touch your fans or to have your fans touch you, especially in an age where you know we have such access to one another?
6: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like performing. I like being in, in real life situations. So I love the transfers of energy between, you know, I'm a fan. So I like being in the audience and, you know, feeling like I'm connecting with the artist, and then vice versa if I'm on stage. So I love that. I like to be out in the crowd after a show and hanging out. But in terms of promoting, I'm not a big self-promoter. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not somebody that's kind of, I would rather, you know, Put music out and let the audience kind of find the music, you know, and and those avenues of like on OG one playing the music and somebody hears your song and says, oh man, that's a really cool song. I want to check that out. I would prefer that versus blowing up your inbox with, you know, hey, my new album's coming out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or handing out flyers, making sure you got a flyer in your hand. I'd rather not be self-promoting in that regard. I think that's the beauty of the industry in that sense, that machine, like we we come against the machine, but I was having a conversation yesterday about how, again, like a label with marketing and promotion, even artist development, all of that stuff is really key, man. You know what I mean? To take the weight off of the artist, you know, so that you can just be an artist. And I think people enjoy a little bit of mystique, you know, from an artist to feel like there is some layers there to pull off, you mm-hmm. know, that they're, discovering, you know, stuff about the artist. So and then just on a personal level, what if you're an artist and you're not <laughs> just hey everybody, you know, that's not <laughs> yeah, your personality. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just want to make some good music. And I know there are a ton of artists like that, you know. Most of the artists that I like, I don't know I don't know how many children they have or, you know, what they had for dinner last night, but I know I love that song. You know what I mean? I love that record and that, you know, that's the beauty of that experience. So it can be tough if you don't have that personality to be self-promoting like that, you know, to navigate. But that's why you try to make great music. You yeah. know? In any adversity like that, that I face with my own character flaws, it just pushes me to make better music. I always put it into the music, like I want to do better. If I'm not excelling at, in some place that I want to excel, I try to make better music and I feel like I need to do better. That's what's up.
9: I love myself. How many times, how many times, huh? Slept through life, You neglect your dreams and regret your past. Now you can't go back. You elect that path, but ignore those facts. How many times, how many times, huh? Sacrifice to try to save your life. Even gave advice, but never made it right. You ignore the cost and then pay the price. How many times, how many times, huh? Elevate your mind with your third eye blind. And you missed them signs. Gave up on the grind. You believe them lies face down to the ground. Like you might as well die. Realize, realize that's a penalty of leadership. So they're missing complaining they're never meeting shit. A new millennium focal with clip wings, looking like a wrist man you press by the might take a shot of any with no rides Rides right the time pass by but it's no clock But you want me to bend some jumping defense and never forget you can't score taking no shots to the top no eat your shots Why? Why how many times how many times how? I'm eight feet tall, above the rim like I can't be fouled. How many times, how many times, huh? My ball, we y'all on the ball. Play a block shots like the Ken Bay soul. Nigga like the block, but when the block is hot, the when they caught the Glock, and then the bend zone. Lately, did they- it build like home SBA when niggas clip them songs SBA when niggas flip them zones How many times, how many times How my I cheap cold as I speak cold In the system amid the killers I defeat the folk Leak speech like water When I preach the ghost to my lyrics I just really want to reap soul Paid the cost But never paid the flaws I'm like a 9mm With the safety off the wood on stage When I break them off I make a major move You took a major loss Damn be P- Rhetoric You've been a bitch Instead of bitch A minute, a a A minute, a minute A minute, a A Without a limel-ton. So I know I gotta get it <laughs> Ride your shots. Why? Why? Uh, How many times?
0: That was Dear Past by Rashid Jamal. You're listening to The Future of What. After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us, KRS loves MerchTable. See what they can do for your business at MerchTable.com. You're listening to The Future of What. My co-host for this panel was DJ Cliff, and our panelists were DJ OG1, Versatile, Mike Capes, Rashid Jamal, and Karma Rivera. Okay,
1: so, so what's next now? I think that we've had people who've had certain levels of success who are here on the stage, some people who are not on the stage that represent Portland. But what do we need as a Portland hip-hop community, what's missing? So we've talked about having a good team behind us. We've talked about all of the little small things that it would be great to not have to, to do at all. But what do we need as a, as a Portland hip-hop community so that when people look at Portland, they go, oh yeah, I know the Portland hip-hop scene. I have a, I have a clear picture of what it is.
5: We need more all-age shows. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. So how do we make that happen?
5: What do we need to make that happen? I don't know, some construction contracts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man, because like, a lot of venues have like gone under over the past three or four years. And then I think there's a lot of pushback when it comes to doing hip-hop here because of negative perceptions. Me and OG had spoke about that a while back. And if you want to, you can explain what the confusion was on that. But I just think that during that time period when a lot of our shows was being you know, bombarded by police and like it was the 80s or something like that, I think it really put a black eye on people promoting shows and going out to shows. And since then, with the rapid gentrification of the north and northeast quadrants of the city and people moving out to Gresham, you know, if if I live in Gresham, bro, I'm not driving downtown away way over here to come to a show.
0: Gas you know what I'm saying?
5: Just keeping 1,000, <laughs> you know, because gas costs money, fam. <laughs> and then on top of that, if I'm 21 plus, I got responsibilities. So I can't always come to a show. So, you know, just in the idea of music business, that's why it's promoted to kids, because they ain't got nothing but time on their hands. And I just <laughs> asked my mama, you know, hey mom, I got $20, I'm gonna go to this show. I right. be home on time. So it's like you got Lyft and Uber and stuff, they could get here easy. You know what I mean? And they wanna buy stuff. But we don't where's all venue here? Like where?
0: Friends of noise (laughs) in the house, working on that problem every day. (laughs) You
5: know what I'm saying, so like, I mean, we need those solutions because, you know, you can't just keep promoting to the same people and then you have to leave town. And once you leave town and get a bigger name, oh man, they don't ever come here and perform for us. Hey hey, man, what are you supposed to do? So I I really think we need that to like, really have a real movement because I think that, that would produce a lack of bias amongst people because adults get competitive.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, Rashid. I think that cuts across all genres in the city. I think all music, we need more all ages venues. We're just, because we're suffering without them across the board.
3: Which brings me to a good point. I, I have the pleasure of being a part of an organization that is an amazing group of people with Music Portland. They're an organization that is for the purpose of advocating for artists and musicians in our region. I've never seen anything quite like this where you have an organization that their main focus is dealing with all the challenges of artists and musicians, you know, concerns that we brought on the stage in terms of everything from the business aspect to dealing with the policies in the city, and you know that keep us from being able to maximize being able to stay here and make a living off of the craft that we say we love. And so this organization is dealing with issues surrounding the gentrification and, you know, the city's policies on, you know, obviously we got growth happening, but what is that? How is that impacting the music in our community and are artists able to thrive in this region without feeling like I have to leave here in order to be successful? I and mean, so those things are coming in and in, in, in being organized so I'm really happy to be able to sit on the board and, and, and advocate for artists that I know that really take their craft seriously but, you know, they don't have the skill set to take on, you know, being their own PR, you know, if they want to go on a tour. What does that mean? <laughs> what are the things I need to have in place? Do I need to have a manager? So everything from dealing with artist development, you know, to business development and, and education, all those things are being set in place. I think platforms like this need to happen more often, whether it's, you know, on a podcast or just communities of music getting together and talking because you'd be surprised about how common some of these issues are across all genres in this town, but yet no one's communicating. You know, people are in their own kind of world and feel like, you know, their issues are isolated. So I think the more we communicate, but in order to communicate, people have to take that as value. That's why I put it back on the artist's. You have to really be serious enough about your craft to be able to go and seek that knowledge, seek, you know, connecting with people in order to get the information you need to elevate.
1: Well well said.
0: (laughs) Musicportland.org. Go there, join up, you know, help us out in in what we're doing with Music Portland because it's for everybody in the whole community. It's going to be very important. Can I, can I touch on that last one? Yes. I feel like a lot of it
4: is people being in the know of these shows happening. I think it would be cool if there's like if there's like a centralized like site where artists can enter their shows and then people can go there and check and see what's going on in the city. You know what I mean? Something like that where artists could probably maybe, you know, subscribe five dollars a month to be on there to put their shows on there. I think that would be something.
0: I believe we're gonna do that on the Music Portland website, yes. but it's gonna
4: be free. Oh
1: nice. Yes. One of the things that I, I wonder, is it important to have a Portland hip hop sound?
4: No. No. I don't I said, want nobody sounding like me, fam. <laughs> no. I feel like an artist should express themselves how they see fit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't yeah. feel like there should be one sound that people should just gravitate towards and just do. That would make it stale to me. And hip hop is anything but that. It shouldn't be that, you know. Now, I'm going to say one thing
3: that my my good brother Versatile always says. Make dope
7: music.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Just right. make
3: dope music. Right. Period. You make dope music, it's going to draw all the people that want to hear your music. You don't need to be concerned about, oh, I don't sound like... That's one of the things that me. I hate when, you know... Artists in Portland, you know, this month they sound like a conscious rapper and then in <laughs> two weeks they're the hyphy movement, then now they're the trap artists. I'm like, yeah. like, just make dope music. Yeah, like, man. That's yeah. one thing I like, I'm saying, Just do you.
0: See, this is such an interesting point because I feel like we get into trouble with artists when artists feel like they don't need to be educated about the business side of what they do, right? But then people are like, oh, but I want to make money, so I'm going to try to sound like this other person. And, and it's anytime. like, wait a second, if you have a choice between those two, sound like yourself, but learn about the business. Right. Like, right.
6: right. If it's happening on Beyonce's level, if she's feeling a pressure to oh, yeah. assimilate, imagine yeah. Yeah. what a startup artist is feeling yeah. like exactly. they need to do. Yeah. And that's a difficulty for me. Is like, in my, I feel like, music is so homogenized right now, I, mean, I, I literally, man, I tr- I have two 20-year-old daughters and a 16-year-old daughter, and with all my might, man, I say, hey, y'all put on, here's the OX chord, here's the Bluetooth, play me what's hot, and we ride, <laughs> and they play, and I'm literally sometimes, I'm like, man, okay, so that was the same artist, right, that just, this, <laughs> that last song, this is the same artist, it just, no, this is, the. Dip. it all sounds the same, but I don't blame the artist sometimes with that, I feel like. It's just this pressure, Mm -hmm. you know? It's this pressure to assimilate. like. And again, everybody has their eye on the same bar, you know? So everybody's feeling like, I got to make that kind of music, you know? I got to make that style of music.
5: I think the audience has, like, a uh, a pressure to do that, too, just to fit in. Because, like, when I was getting these, I got this tattoo and this tattoo at the same time. And the cat that was tattooing me, He was playing, like, you know, some mumble rap kind of music, but I was in Little Rock, so, like, you know, that's how it is in the South anyway, right? So, like, you know, we listening to, like, a whole bunch of that for a while, and I was like, hey, man, can I cut on some of my music? And he was like... Yeah, bro. Man, to be honest with you, man. I don't even like that, man. I was just playing it because I thought it's what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Right, I believe. Yeah, I, I sat through a four-hour tattoo session, just you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> it tripped me out, man. You know what Literally. I mean? But yeah, boy. I think I think on the overall, like, if you if you look on Instagram and all the pretty chicks is like selfieing in their phone, singing that song. And then, you know, cats are doing backflips and getting into fights and that's what's playing in the background. Or like you pop up and you see these huge festivals and that's the music that's being played and everybody seems like they love it. I think 80% of people in the world, they're going to go with whatever's hot. You know what I'm saying? And then you have this percentage of people who stay original and then that might dictate what gets hot, but you might not hit everybody. So like you got to be satisfied, like you said, having a lane.
4: Right. I'll say just pinpointing your core fan base and, right. and driving your music that way, like down to what, you know, where do these people shop? Is it, is it school students or is it like just the demographics of the, the people that listen to your music and just pinpointing that and pushing your music in that direction. And I feel like it'll build naturally that way.
2: And I agree with Capes about, like, just really focusing on your core audience. And that's why I said it's like a social media is kind of important for me because it's like it's a direct relationship to the audience. It's just I don't care about nobody else. I only care about the people who are interested in my work and my art and what I got to do to keep producing that. So they know I'm on my queso in these streets. It's gon' happen if I say so. i be looking like a treat. Ego extra large out here trying to look just like these singers do. Head to charge, but I'm feeling like that nigga too. If she look like Miss Minaj, it's probably what we get into. How you find a one with anyone with friends to get with I'm never switching sides, but I still see it from a different view. Keep checking for my side, I swear to God, I'm known to flip a few. I be lost for words because I feel good. Moved out to the birds, but bitch, I'm still hood. still hood. Try and kill my for words because i feel good good. moved out to the birds but i'm still still try and match my flies where nobody could Could. try and kill my high i wish somebody would (laughs) i can't settle up y'all must think i'm crazy i don't wanna level up i can't be acting lazy yo the whole squad e ain't nobody backstabbing me everybody fool like when the club at Capacity. Always keep my cool But still be out here Moving actively Got my own back So I know who coming after me I'm never moving backwardly really. Ain't no label backing me I don't need you gassing me I'm never speaking passively I been lost yeah. for words Because I feel good. feel good Moved out to the birds But bitch I'm still hood Try and kill my high I wish somebody would Try and match my fly I sweat, nobody for words because I feel good. good Moved out to the birds but I'm still, I'm still hood Try and match my fly, I swear nobody could, could. Try and kill my high out with somebody, what? Yeah. yeah, careful what you say to me, don't you Play with me. I don't play no games, but still official like the major league. I don't know your name, but I'll leave with you if you lay with me. What we say in text and do in person's not the same to me. Show me that you got me. Say you wanna top me. I come through with some Rossi, them red lights will not stop me.
0: That was Feel Good by Karma Rivera. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. My co-host for this panel was DJ Cliff, and our panelists were DJ OG1, Versatile, Mike Capes, Rashid Jamal, and Karma Rivera. Well, I think we are just about out of time. So, I want to see if we can maybe take a couple questions from the audience. We do have a mic up front if we've got anyone who would like to come up and ask a question. This is your big chance with these amazing people here.
4: All me.
5: So, I guess kind of to the whole panel, how many of y'all felt like you came up with strong mentorship in this game
4: in music in general? A great yeah, well, I question. mean,
5: like the business side of it cuz like for me as somebody who wants to get into radio, what is really hard about kind of what Versatile said is like it now feels like an ocean, so I don't know where the starting line is. But I also feel like mentorship gives you direction and patience because you look up to somebody who will kind of let you know when you're ready for certain opportunities and maybe even introduce you to those opportunities. So for somebody like me, it's like, if y'all didn't have that, where does somebody like me start? Like, who do I reach
1: out to to kind of help become rooted in the scene to earn that respect to get to those opportunities? It's a great question.
4: I would say... Be a student of what you're trying to do and, and, and study who are the people that are in the land you want to be in and go out and seek them out, like, you know, like an informational interview, you know what I mean? Finding out their contact or where they be or networking and just figuring out, setting up a time to sit down and talk with them. I think it's like that. And going to these events and networking and being social.
3: You know, one of the benefits of social media and, and the Internet is that you can type in Google and say, Portland shows, Portland business networking, Portland whatever, and you can find it. What I find is that, and I'm not speaking towards you, but I'm saying just in general, I find that most people that are in this, this world of music, they fantasize the idea of having the knowledge and reaching a certain potential. But when it comes down to the actual action and putting the effort and getting out of your comfort zone. I don't like speaking to people. I don't want people to think I'm weird. Guess what? People gonna think I'm weird because I'm going to go up and say, and I've gone up to execs in Nike and said, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. I don't know if this is realistic or what is it in my world that I need to change or, or get better with. And I've been referred to books, you know, go read this or go connect with that person, but I had to get over myself and say, okay, yeah, this feels uncomfortable, weird, but how bad do
0: I want it? And it gets right back to what everybody on the stage said first, which was networking, communication, and relationships, right? That's what every person up here said. That, that's a huge portion. And exactly as OG said, like you just have to get over yourself and walk up to somebody. I've had the same problems being scared meeting somebody who you know, runs Matador Records or beggars. You know, and I'm like, oh my God, you're so cool. I, you wouldn't want to talk to me. But then it's like, they do the same job I do. You know. So it's like, no, just get over yourself and say something. You know. And I think someone down there said, it was, maybe someone's having a bad day. They're not going to be the nicest to you. Go talk to somebody else, you know? It's just, you have to keep, stick at it. If this is what you want, you just stick with it.
5: I think some stuff happens by chance, too. Mm-hmm. Cause I met this dude in the barbershop, and I wasn't even getting my hair cut. Yeah, <laughs> mad random. And like, I didn't even want to talk to him, neither. That's the thing about it. my brother forced me to talk to him. And like, he sent Mike over to talk to me. And then next thing you know, we've been friends for the past, what? Nine, eight, seven, eight years. Yeah. You know Your what I'm saying? My brother
4: was like, you look like you rap out of box, and I was like, yeah, I rap. Yeah. My brother over there rap, and then we Yeah, exchange like
5: information, and we've been, you know, rocking since then. But it's like, a lot of stuff is like putting yourself in the situation. I think that's like 80 to 90% of the situation. It's probably like 80% being there, and then 10% saying something, and then 10% is like magical, something <laughs> that might click for you. But if that doesn't happen, you still in the mix. But like, when I came out here, like, I ain't know nobody, and like, I'm pretty introverted, but at the same time I'm extra. You know what I'm saying? Like extra extroverted at the same time. So like I just leave the house and just walk around. Like I just walk, go see stuff and I meet people on the bus. I talk to folks on the max. I meet people at work and inch by inch move my way around to getting around different people. I used to go to like when like Braille and Theory Hazard and Reagan Fikes and them used to those shows at Burbati's all the time. Like I used to go to their shows all the time and like I was always recording, I always had like 25 songs in my head, you know what I mean? Nowhere to like really do it at, but I was always writing, not recording. But I would always try to put myself around that scene to learn more and more about it because it was so different from Arkansas. You know, where you was basically coming out the trunk and people weren't necessarily doing shows like they was doing shows out here. And it's really just putting yourself around people like and taking advantage, like being not, not being afraid to speak up when you need to speak up, but then also being strategic about it at the same time and not being afraid to fail because we failed a lot. We had a lot of bad shows, a lot of bad promotion, a lot of like six person lineups, <laughs> 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's hard to like do a show, do all the promotion, and then have to split the money with 20 people, that's crazy, <laughs> you know? But over time you learn, so. That's that's a big thing. It's just keep building onto that skill set because you look up and it's like okay, I'm prepared for this
0: next step. It's also about being part of a community, like exactly like you just said. You you have to put yourself out there because the people that you're playing for and with they're gonna be your first fans, right? And you're gonna be their first fans when you come out into a group. If you sit in your bedroom, I guarantee you, you're not going anywhere. It's gonna stay you're gonna dream. stay in the bedroom.
1: You know, just to parrot that, I, I think that if you look at Sometimes I think we we have to take the entertainment piece away from it or the or the the end game out of our vision. Think of anything that you do in your life that you've that you've had some some form of success, even even your education, even your schoolwork you didn't get really good at division the very first day you saw a division problem, right you start with what you have around you right now in Portland, we have an amazing hip hop scene, an amazing hip hop scene and it's like 6 degrees of separation. Everybody is connected to somebody. So really it's just a matter of do you know someone? So do you know OG1? I know of him because of the platform that he's that he's on. OG is accessible. So if I know Rashid Jamal, Rashid can connect me with OG because I'm interested in becoming a DJ. You know what I'm saying? It is truly as simple as that events like this are going to continue to happen, where we're going to invite people to network. And then just like what you did with me, just come and introduce yourself and say, hey, I've, I've got this interest in, in doing whatever. And, and then I think the last thing is is consider life, right? So if you go to your employer and say, hey, would you, can I come in and do a job shadow? And your employer says, yeah, you can come in, come in Wednesdays from 12 to two, I have it open. If you come in for two weeks and then the third week, you just don't show up, guess what you're doing to that relationship? So I think if you're interested in this, with with any of this, you gotta be consistent. You gotta be consistent because then that person that you're seeking help from, they'll take you seriously because they know that you're taking
6: it seriously. I just wanna add something. I don't know if it applies to everything we're talking about, but this is a hip hop forum, right? So (laughs) I wanna encourage everybody, if you're in hip hop and music industry in general, it's not easy. Don't be afraid to face adversity in this, you know? It is a struggle. It is hard, you know? That's okay. It's okay it's gonna be difficult, you know? Even in your craft, if you're struggling, that's part of the journey, you know? Some of it, we don't have the keys or we wouldn't be, you know, in the position we are to a certain degree. Like, it's a a struggle, it's a grind, you know? But that's what, your passion is what helps you stay motivated, you know? Your passion for your art, your passion for, you know, your goals. Rest in those things. I and mean, now I'm passionate. This is something I really desire. It's something I really want. And work hard. Go for it. You know? Be the best that you can be at what you do. And there's something to be said about that. Oftentimes, I feel like we're, we're afraid of high standards. I was talking to somebody else about I went to public school. I went to Vernon Elementary School. And then I went to Harriet Tubman Middle School. And then I went to Jefferson High School. And I loved it, it was awesome. When I got married, my wife wanted our children to go to Holy Redeemer Catholic Elementary and Middle School, and I was completely opposed to it. And when I went to our first parent meeting, they started talking about high standards. We set high standards for our kids. And I was like, you really want our kids to go here? Like, you know, you're gonna make school harder? But I learned over time, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with high standards. There's nothing wrong with having high standards. And in terms of accomplishing greatness and accomplishing excellence, you know, we can't be afraid to have that journey of persevering through struggle and persevering through adversity. In that, what we're doing is shaping and molding something that's really good. You get the opportunity to say, you know what, this is, I'm grinding at this, so let me. I was just talking to Rashid, he's like, man, I've been working on this album for six years. You don't hear that often. People work on an album for six days (laughs) and then are multi million selling artists. But what you end up seeing is that there wasn't that time spent developing their craft. You know, people are afraid to dig in and work on their craft. So if you're reaching for something, if you want to be something in this industry, it's okay to have to work and trudge it out and get better at it. That's okay. If it's difficult, it's not a bad thing that is difficult. It, it doesn't always have to be easy. It's not, you know, that first door you knock on may not be the door. That, that rap show that you get in, you might get booed. You dig? And that's the other thing. As an elder statesman in this, don't get offended that we have a bar, you know? Man, I appreciate that you got a CD. That's dope. I, that's awesome that you got a home studio. And that's great that you got put on this show. But be willing to hear from an elder statement. You need work. Work on your craft. Get better. What's wrong with getting better? (laughs) That's not a bad thing. You need to get better. I loved hearing that, you know, because it made me reach and try to get better. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna show him the next time, you know. I'm, I'm. I'm really gonna step my game up. I want my music to be better. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with having that mentality that let's keep reaching for excellence and greatness. Don't be just satisfied when it comes so easy. That's cool, but everything that comes easy may not last. So don't be intimidated by whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in this hip hop community and the music business. If there's adversity, that's not always a bad thing. You know what I mean? It's gonna make you stronger. And trust in your passion that you fight through and get what you want by staying steadfast and getting better at your craft. And those are are positive things to take away from struggle.
0: Well, I think that is a a beautiful way to end this. Thank you so much to my panel, and thanks everybody for joining us today on the future of what? And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Mike Capes, Rashid Jamal, Karma Rivera, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Stars. See you next week.